Hey, you're listening to Featuring Filmmakers, a podcast where we talk to people in the filmmaking industry about their projects and the creative process behind making them. My name is JJ. And I'm Amanda. And this is Featuring Filmmakers. To give you more context around this conversation, we highly recommend watching the project discussed on the blog at featuringfilmmakers.com. Today, we're talking to Brenton Oshel, who is an award-winning filmmaker. He wrote, directed, and edited this piece that we're talking about today called Thin Place. We're also talking to the DP on this project, Kasim. Vintage glass, the environment, there are certain elements of this film that make it wonderfully unique, and I'm super excited to talk to the creators. Without further ado, let's get into it. I guess as we get started, tell us a little bit, in your words first, what this short film is about. You know, to distill it all down, it's uh, it's based on the true events of a story that I learned of a mother who lost her son and then uh, shortly thereafter took a trip to the Pacific Northwest um, to the rainforest and then just kind of like processed her grief, <clears throat> you know, kind of visited with God, visited with herself and, um, and she came out of it a much stronger person. Um, so, you know, I, I first heard about this story through a blog post that a friend of a friend had written. And like, for whatever reason, like the, the telling of that story unlocked something within me that basically compelled me to want to tell it, tell the story. It's always a very long period writing because you're, you're having to oscillate between, you know, the complete excitement of your own ideas and uh and believing that they'll work and then uh, also the opposite of that <laughs> and and thinking that your ideas are are terrible and and uh they, they hold no weight and whatsoever one of the things i told jay before we hopped on this call is um i really liked the writing i thought it was well paced and i thought that it was very interesting and unique and creative and then also um intriguing before we kind of dive further into the short film, I want to ask you, what is your or what was your journey slash is your journey um, to becoming a filmmaker and the filmmaker that you are? Yeah, great question. I mean, um, yeah, the journey for me started very young uh, as a teenager when I was 13. I mean, my dad was always carrying around uh, a handy cam and, and I always wanted to use it. And so. Um, I basically jumped at the chance and was, you know, for a while making films on a, on a Canon power shot, which would only record about 15 seconds. And then, and then we'd have to like, you know, pick up where we left off. So high school was, was in incredibly foundational for me for this one teacher I had, uh, David Trujillo, and uh, he should be teaching at the Oxford level. But he was he was teaching us uh, high school kids and he like introduced us to filmmakers that uh, we would have never known until college. Like, you know, Bergman and Tarkovsky. I mean, the guy wrote his own textbook. He bound his own textbook for us. And, and that was all before he gave me this book, uh, Sculpting in Time, because I like, you know, struggle with self-doubt. So so incredibly like, you know, you, you're just. I grew up in Indiana, so so that no, it's it's a it's not a hotbed for production, or at least it wasn't. You know, back in that day, it's gotten a lot better. But you know, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle, and I knew that I needed to find the right collaborators, and that was really 
the key that unlocked everything for me because uh, out of high school, I found a couple guys and uh, and they were just they, they we all came from different backgrounds, but we all like had a very similar goal of what we wanted to create. We just wanted to, you know, do engaging stuff. And um, and so we all we all kind of did stuff together for a while. Um, Kessim Norris, uh, who's, you know, one of my closest collaborators and uh, and Skylar Lawson. And so we did that for for a few years and then we just kind of became our own entities and ended up, uh, you know, still being very good friends, but still, uh, you know, kind of pursuing our own you know, creative endeavors. And, um, you know, and Kasim and I have have collaborated uh, quite a bit. And, you know, he's the one that shot Thin Plays. He shot the film before at Undertaker and then he shot, um, you know, the first film that, that we worked on together. Going back to, to Thin Place now, from the time that you heard that story to the time that you started filming, what was that uh, What was that period of time and what were you doing within that? Telling someone's true story, you know, requires, uh, you know, like I said, a certain amount of delicacy that I had never encountered before. But, um, you know, what finally did it for me is it was a long a long process, but basically like you gotta, you gotta sit down and you just gotta force yourself to do it. And so I, uh, I went and I took myself, you know, camping for like a weekend and, um, and just wrote in my tent. And, and then the day that I got the most done was when it was raining nonstop and I was almost like locked in my tent and, um, and be able to basically finish the script there, whatever it is, a film, a song, a painting. I mean, like they, they become your children. And at some point, you, you just have to let them go off and live their own lives, um, you know, kind of falling in line with with what everyone's always said, that that art is never finished. It's abandoned. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, kind of going back into pre-production a little bit, like what was the did you have a producer on this project? What was the like documentation process like? What did that look like? Yeah. So mostly it was it was myself, but I did have some very good collaborators in that respect. Um, Victoria uh, Britton and uh, Brian Fellows were both very instrumental in um, just making things move, especially during production. Um, but for me, you know, I, I kind of had this revelation a few years ago because directing was never the easiest for me. And, and uh, one of the biggest reasons was uh, was you know I was always making sure everyone around me was was comfortable, but thinking of myself last, and so that left me in an inability to project confidence to everyone else around me. So once I flipped that around, and it was like it, it, make sure that I'm good, you know. Then that then allowed me to make sure that everyone else was good, you know, with with extreme ease. And um, and so that that was that's a roundabout way of saying that. Uh, you know, I, I had to make sure all my ducks were in a row you know, before I could begin. Um, you know, it's always a risk. And, you know, you always move forward with with dates, even when they aren't they're actually the dates. Um, so so you're all going on a wing and a prayer. But but I, I wanted to make sure that, that certain things were in place, um, like locations. Locations is always very important to me because they're as much of a character in the film as as the actual characters. So, um, so that was super important. And, and Kessim and I had taken a trip out to Washington, uh, 
pre-pandemic. It was uh, it was like fall of 2019, um, and we we went out there and and found the locations um, that we wanted to shoot in, and and then for for reasons that I'll get into, we didn't end up getting to shoot there. Um, so so that was another another huge pivot. Um, but yeah, no. So it was it was it was mostly myself, you know, knocking on doors, making calls, and uh, and yeah, trying to get things in a row. And, and the last uh, puzzle piece of all was um, the actress um, Jackie. Um, this is funny. The, the the mother's actual name is Jackie, um, so so it was like congruency there. And I was um, shooting a film um, for uh, Albert Pritchard in Texas. And she was the lead and, and she was like exactly the spirit that I was looking for. And um, and I knew it even before I talked to her. Um, but of course, you know, it just completely fell in line with the fact that she was like she loves everything outdoors and she wanted an adventure as much as we did. And, and the, the role really, really required someone that could go to those depths because what we were expecting uh, out there was complete rain. And, um, I don't think any of us would have actually been prepared for that, but, uh, but it didn't matter because we didn't get it anyway. It was, it was all sun. And it was beautiful. I will say that I was going to ask you about that, the locations, because as I was watching, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, the locations are so crucial to this piece. So we went out there and just kind of you know, ran around um, for a couple of days in the Hall Rainforest and the Kenal Rainforest, um, and then finding what we liked the most um, pieces of, of different places. But it's also very difficult to get around over there. Um, there's very few access roads. Um, so we fell in love with this one place called the Hall of Mosses, uh, which is in the Hall Rainforest, I believe. And um, it is otherworldly. Like you, you go there and it's like you, it's like Alice in Wonderland or like Dr. Seuss or something. Is that the shot where she's like walking and it's the sun is kind of through the trees and you've got all that moss kind of hanging on? So that was, that was what we ended it, where we ended up shooting because what happened was, uh, there was a massive rainstorm that, um, that came in the day before we, we got out there and it was massive mudslide cut off the only access road. You know, we came out here for the landscape and the landscape is what we got. I think um, Kasim is in the waiting room, correct, Jay? Yeah, he's here. Should we should we invite him in? Yes, let's do it. The man, the myth, the legend. Oh, man, man, man. I owe like all the love to you guys, man. Thank you for having me on this platform. We've already heard so many good things about you and we're just getting started. Um, I feel like we've just known each other forever. Right. Like, I feel like you ever have one of those relationships where you just feel like that person has just been like plugged into your life from the moment of your yeah. conception. Bryn obviously was a director. He he knew exactly what he wanted to do. He was always like ahead of everybody else as far as like story. So I think at the time when him and I met, like I just instantly like. Like put my films to a side because Bryn just knew exactly what he wanted. I don't even know if Thin Place would have even been a thing. Uh, like for me, I don't even think I would have understood it had it not been for the beginning, the birth of that relationship. Tell us from the beginning what were you you were hoping to achieve uh, visually and then um, how you came to Kasim with that information and then how you guys went from there. 
I knew that, you know, the, the shooting on film has to have a purpose within the narrative. It, I mean, it's cool and everything like that, but I, I feel like it's like it almost needs to be baked in. And um, and so, you know, movies about or stories about death and grief, they, they kind of they make sense in, in a spiritual way to shoot on celluloid. And so, I mean, that's that's what I knew that that I wanted to go after that Kassim wanted to go after uh, and and we had only done he did it he did a project on 35 um, before mine actually maybe a couple and um, and so so I knew that he was he had that experience with it and he was always very adaptable um, you know I've I've always been kind of going after that Panavision look um, you know it's the reason why I started shooting like like a glass because I I heard that, uh, you know, the old like ours were comparable to like, you know, Panavision G series. And, you know, I was like, OK, so that's when we shoot that. And, you know, the, the, the base of Panavision Glass is Leica. You know, it was their it was their collaboration together. And so, you know, that that's kind of been the look that we've been going after and like, you know, very, very vivid. And like, you know, that goes into like, you know, shooting in the rainforest and like, and, and everything like that but you know the, we're, we're we're painting you know with light essentially and and uh and so so all of these things were kind of like coming together and and the way that the film looks is a product of um well it's an act of god really because of the fact that like you know the script called for a significant amount of rain entire 10-day forecast the only two days it wasn't going to rain was when we were shooting. And so I was like, crap, well, it, I, it was the right time. And I like, you know, had her do an alternate of that line. And so that right there, like that changed the story. And, um, you know, I, I think in, in some respects changed it for the better. And, and of course, like had we shot out there with the rain, it would have been a much more unpleasant experience. And, and so we, we, <laughs> we had the best pivot into, uh, into sun and like, which was which was so important for the the way that the film looks now and um was really honestly god looking out for us <laughs> i mean just a second what brenton uh just mentioned about you know um the need i don't even know if it was a desire but the need to to connect with like panavision and 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 really not even their cameras but just their glass i feel like if anyone really wants the panel look like you're not really trying to go after the camera, right? You just want the glass. One of the things that I want to mention is the scout that Brenton and I had. That played a huge part into, and for me, into how things needed to be and how things needed to feel. It, it had to feel alien. It needed to feel, um, I, you know, I, I, I felt so, it felt so warm because I was there with, with Brenton. Like, I felt like it, 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 it definitely took our relationship to another level. Um, I don't think me and Brent had ever slept in like in like that level of close quarters like that. Where we were just like attached to each other. You didn't even think Become about real it. close. We were like really close. We were like right <laughs> like we were like right there. And again, guys, like I want, you know, I want to talk about like all of the technical things, like because th that is like my area. I love those things. But I just had to share like like really for me where the look was born. It was born yeah. on that scout. It was born like in that code. It was born in that tent. I think most of that scout 
we spent time talking about just like personal things that we were both dealing with. And I don't even think we thought about it. But a lot of those things were like very similar to what like the script demanded as far as like building out the gear. Brendan and I, again, we wanted to shoot on Panna. It didn't happen. And then I think, you know, we talked about different cameras and it was really just about like the tools. I think it came to just like uh, what could survive that kind of environment that also that, you know, that we can carry around like bring like the locations were like, again, they were so beautiful, but they were so demanding to get to. Um, and of course, for us as independent filmmakers, like budget is a thing, no matter how much we throw all of like the best stuff on a wall. Like we at the end of the day, we have to have that talk about budget. And so the Penelope, I think, was like the no brainer tool to use. And plus, it's like still a luxury. It's still like the Mercedes of all film cameras for me, because Aton um, you know, they, they have this saying like the cat on the shoulder and every camera that I've ever used has been like the most silent, the most, uh, ergonomic. I've just, I've always connected to the Aton for me. I'm not, I've never been the guy that just wants to shoot on something because all the other guys are shooting on it. Like I'll, I'll do my research. If I put it in my hand and it doesn't feel right, then it's not the tool. Right. And Aton has always felt right for me because it's, it's light, it's quiet. And it just it's it's a handheld camera. It's a camera made by photographers and it just has always made sense. It's poetry. And for the level of filmmaking that Brenton requires that his work demands, like you have to have the right tools that those tools have to be willing to go that length. We couldn't travel with the Aton. He sourced it from from a guy in New York. And that camera is just so rare. Like, it's just like, it's it's such a rarity to even find that camera, right? Let alone to have someone who's willing to allow you to shoot on it. Um, and so the guy was just like, you know, no, you can't travel with it. And that was just completely, it was, a it, you know, we were bummed out about it, but we understood as well because it just can't be replaced. And so then we had an issue. We had to source a camera. I think at the time we were only able to source like the RE uh, BL4, which if anyone knows that camera, it's like one of the most tank-like, the most durable cameras you can ever shoot on, right? The camera's like so old, but it's a tank. And I had, I was really excited to hear that we were going to shoot on this camera because it was just like, you know, you, referencing it to a car. It's like, it's like a Camry, right? It's like, you know, that this camera's like, it's, it's impossible. It, it won't fail. So I was excited about that. Like, yo, this is the camera that we need, you know, to survive the trenches. Right. But I had no idea how heavy this camera was going to be. We shot on the masters, which you don't want to confuse those with super speeds at all. That's a completely different life. Anyone who knows, like I, I've shot on those like instant, like you put those in front and you just instantly feel a different world which we knew we needed to fill in New York. Um, it's all coming back to me now. Um, and that's just, to, that's just the goes to show like how deep like Bryn's world is like to where like you get the technical stuff, you get that out the way. And then you just, that is not even a thing anymore. Like you're just so invested into the pain that you're no longer putting labels to the colors. We went to Washington and this is where it gets really interesting. We shot on the BL4 and, uh, um, and Brenton was able to, 
uh, Secure Us, Tadeo, which I do know that, Anamorphic. And then we also had Alomo. And so we have like this, this, this ancient camera. And then we also have like uh, this ancient glass. And here we are in Washington with like essentially the best, some of the best glass ever made. Right. And it like, as far as look, if anything you see in Washington that has like that super surreal, this kind of dream, like kind of a look like the, like this, this moments of Rembrandt, but also like this just hyper surreal kind of a emotion and feel to it. The glass that we had, it was, it was preserved, but we had issues with, um, with the glass where the housing, we was like working the hell out of this gear so hard to where the housing, like the front element became sort of detached from the rear element. And we didn't know it at first. And uh, when I would go to like focus, I saw like crazy breathing, which is normal on old glass. But I also began to see like this separation. And I was looking through the eyepiece and it was doing something incredible. But again, because we just embrace all of these flaws, I just we didn't have any time for me to think about it. But then my AC, um, which is a really, really close friend of both of ours, uh, Neil Shuckler. He's an incredible DP in his own right. He's pointed this out. He's like, yo, the front element is detaching from the rear. And he's like super scared. And I look at it and I was like, oh my God. And I told Brendan, Brendan is like, you don't, with the director too, I'll just say this. You don't want to like, to like make a director aware of all of the issues that you're having on the technical side. Your job as a DP is to kind of like hide all of the problems, right, from them. But at this point, at this point, I had to tell him because I didn't want him to think like I broke it. Right. I'm like, so I kind of told him like, yo, this is an issue. And I think this was an issue from the beginning, but we didn't break it. This just was like this. And he's like, OK, we'll deal with it after. But anything that you see in that film was because of this, this, these incredible tools, not not only because, but one of the, you know, some of the characteristics was because we were working with like super old gear and they had flaws. And I would like to think that those things were like, you, if, if anyone watches the story, you'll kind of see how the story unfolds and what happens. And some of these expectations that this character has goes in with these, with these expectations and comes out with a completely different kind of outcome and result that you wouldn't be able to dial in. You wouldn't be able to plan. And that's exact. So we were kind of forced to go through this same process that the main character experienced. Yeah, it's like a, you can't recreate that really. That's probably you can't, like a, you can't, a one-off you can't, experience. No one can afford to break lenses. There's a shot in there where like, it's like the background begins to like, to almost vibrate behind her. And that was because the film was running through the gate and the camera was vibrating. And what was happening was it was vibrating the lens apart. So the, the front element was beginning to separate and we're like holding on for it for dear life. But it was happening. We're shooting it at a critical stage in the character's like like path, like 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 in, in, in exactly at a point where she was beginning to like break apart. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you hopping on and chatting with us for a little bit. Oh, man. Thank you guys for having me. 
sounds like you've had some screenings, but you, do you plan to release it online, correct? Yeah, that's the goal. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the best way of doing it. And um, I think obviously this podcast is, is a big bastion for me, just being able to um, talk about it and and explore you know, the process um, with you guys. Um, that's been really important to me. And so you know, if if no one were to pick it up and I could put it online with this as a companion piece, I would be perfectly happy with that. A, it's never meant for like a super mainstream audience. And and B, I, I always, you know, if I never make, if I if I ever make something that doesn't polarize an audience, then I'd probably feel like I, I failed because I want uh, people that watch it to feel things. Um, I want it, you know, them to, to consider themselves and uh, you know, I'm very much promoting active viewership rather than passive viewership. So uh, that's something that I, I really learned from um, Tarkovsky's book, Sculpting in Time. Like um, he's got the single quote in there that's really driven most of my work that I talk about it in all interviews. And, and he says, the aim of art is to prepare a person for death, to plow and harrow his soul, rendering it capable of turning to good. Wow. I got to read that book. So a couple last questions for you. These are some questions we kind of ask every guest that comes on. But um, do you have any message to your fellow filmmakers that you'd like to share? Keep going. Uh, I, I think that the, the singular thing, well, there's a lot of different things, but the, the, one of the biggest things that separates um, the people that get to where they want to be from the people that don't is that the people that get to where they want to be just never gave up. One of the best pieces of advice I heard was that, you know, you can take breaks as many times as you want for as long as you want, but you only ever give up once. I love that. As I feel like taking breaks is like frowned upon in this industry. Oftentimes I feel like it's like you got to keep creating, keep making. If you're going to be on top, like you got to you got to stay up late, edit all night, like get it done, 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 you know. And um, because if you're not doing that, it feels like. Uh, you're quitting or someone is going to, you know, do it and you didn't, but, but that's not true. Like you can take a break. You can come back to it later when you feel ready. Like that's totally fine. But the things that you're focusing on might not even be the most important things. And that's, you know, that's sort of the grab bag of filmmaking is that you're making thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands of decisions uh, in the, in the course of, of making something. And you know, maybe 10 of them are the most important, but you don't really know what those things are until after you're finished with the film. And so that just, you know, forces you to to make your decisions that much more uh, concrete and simple and and draw it back to the narrative. And, and generally, you know, they say the last you know, 10 percent of a project is more complicated or more difficult than the uh, the previous 90 percent. And. I think the key is, is really in like going back to what inspired you about the project in the first place, uh, because usually the truth is in there. Very good. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate it. And um, you were such a joy to talk to. And one of the things Kasim said about you is you're incredibly diligent and I thought and patient. And I feel that from you. So thank you so much, guys. It's really been a, a pleasure talking with you and um yeah, I can't wait to see where you guys go from here. Like featuring filmmakers is such a cool thing. And I, and I think you have a, Thank a you. long road ahead of you. Thank you. I mean, come on. <laughs> Appreciate you, Brenton. 
Featuring Filmmakers is made possible by Harvest Film Company. To dive into content about these projects that we discuss, you can go to our blog on featuringfilmmakers.com where we have everything laid out with behind the scenes, the original project discussed, and additional episodes there. So check us out at featuringfilmmakers.com. Thanks so much for listening.